Greetings, gamers, and welcome to Nothing Venture, Nothing Game. I'm your host with the most, your GM, Jared. And today, we have a special episode for you all. I'm interviewing co-author, setting designer, Patrick Edward from the anticipated Black Ballad, Ballad for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, going live March 7th. Greetings, Patrick. How are you today? I'm great, Jared. How are you? I'm doing very well myself. Thank you very much for being here with us. Um, so tell us uh, what goes into making this campaign. What 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 started all this? Oh my gosh! Just jumping right into it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you say what started all this, that's a big question. Or should we start? specifically with the black ballad and maybe work backwards from there or do you want me to start what water what started bringing the black ballad together what was your inspiration okay. for this concept okay so but yeah well, let's work backwards so yeah the black ballad is an upcoming epic brutal you know uh ttrpg campaign book that uh, studio I co-founded, Storytellers Forge, is launching, and it is a something of an adaptation of a musical album, a gothic metal album of the same title that's currently in production by the band Dia Morte, mm -hmm. and and there's actually a story to the album. They do these concepts. They're like a gothic metal band, orchestral metal band, and they do these albums and these stories that are like actual operas with a with a narrative to them and with this is this ripping metal tracks and and whatnot. So that's what the Black Ballad is. And we'll come back to the specifics of the Black Ballad. As for how did you get there? How are you? you know, affiliated with this band and, and how are you adapting this? Well, this isn't the first time we've done this. Um, my partner, Rick Hines and I, uh, we, and, 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 uh, Rick's fiance and our lead editor court, we co the three of us co-founded storytellers forge last year, but before that we'd worked together and we did this before with a book called the red opera. The red opera was also, and is also still an album and a stage performance by Dia Morte. Drake Mephesta is the lead singer and frontman of Dia Morte. He and Rick are friends. And years ago, uh, Rick soft pitched the idea to Drake hey, the Red Opera should be. Uh, an RPG campaign. And at that time, he was thinking of it as more like a, a one shot, like a splat book, you know, something real, 2000 words or something like that, real. And because uh, I personally, admittedly, am not the biggest metal fan. I appreciate it, but I, I would never call myself. I mean, there's plenty of people, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't dare disrespect the genre by saying I'm a, I'm like a fan fan because I know people will <laughs> nail me to the wall if they ever tried to pull my card on that. But Rick is, is definitely. Uh, you know, a bona fide metal fan. That's how he's friends with a lot of these people in bands. And um, so Rick and I knew each other and been friends because we're also both novelists and both of our first novels have been published by the same publisher. We both are from Chicago originally. He came to my first book signing and we hit it off and just hung out for most of the day so that we already knew each other. And so when it came time, Rick was going to 
maybe just write on his own this little like 2000 word splat book called the red opera and then he like this needs to be bigger i want this to be a thing and he knew that i in addition to being a podcaster and a novelist dabbled in the ttrpg and D worlds with a couple of actual plays i've been a cast member of and um and he reached out and he said hey any interest in kind of a weird, silly little project where the band was going to actually pay us just themselves out of pocket. We're going to write this little thing, throw it into the ether. Who knows? It's probably just going to be a fun little thing we do, and, and it's not going to be a big deal. Well, for us, it ended up being a big deal because as someone, as somebody who we're literally coming out of thin air with this, it's not like we have a, a background or work with an established studio in this space. The Red Opera ended up being this uh, 80-some thousand word tome epic of this original setting and all of these original that really dives deep on on warlocks and the nature of warlocks and their and their packs with their patrons. And we created all of these original patrons and original subclasses and this original setting and original species. And then we had this ridiculous, brutal 10-chapter epic saga campaign Um with four different endings that you can play based on how the choices the players make and partner with who had this really great, these great artists do some like David Granjo, who is working with us on the black ballad again. And it ended up again, we're, we're, we're no, we, we both are published authors and we have our own, you know, little followings in that regard, but we're not at this time. We're not names in the TTRPG space at this point, but it goes to Kickstarter and raises like $170,000, which for us, like coming out of nothing is to huge for the first go around is crazy. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's amazing. So, that went off and we've got tons of really great feedback on that. And I just, I love hearing that. I, um, to the point where I'm getting like secondhand people's like, Oh, I was talking to this person and they play D and D and they said they were playing the book you you co-wrote. And, and it's just crazy to hear about that. Like in the wild, right? Like people, two, three people removed from you are like, Oh, so-and-so was doing that. They were loving it. And so, and, and Rick and I just, you know, having written a couple of books each on our own, that was one of the first times we worked on something major together. And we just, it was really lucky that collaborating is hard, you know, especially in creative spaces, no matter what type of medium or what you're doing. And we were really fortunate enough to be, to be friends, you know, like fellow colleagues in the writing world friends. And then we just work really well together. We clicked really well and we sort of complement each other really well when it comes to writing and creating, like as far as strengths and weaknesses, we kind of fit together like Legos and that. And we really, like I said, complement each other. So we just wanted to keep going. And then um, the Red Opera was, you know, relatively for our perspective, a success. And we gained some following and some notoriety. And then there was a, I don't know how much you're up on this. There was kind of a falling out with a studio that we partnered with to do the printing and some of the art. And they, I got to be careful with my word choice, but there were some practices done mm -hmm. by some that were less than ideal or ethical. Um, and that was not, so, so the Red Opera is kind of in this weird limbo state right now. But in the meantime, Rick and I both were known, kind of known for doing this and we both have then um worked together and independently on multiple ttrpg publications 
since then. And we have a bunch of stuff that we've worked on and contributed to in the pipeline um, between the two of us. It's, you know, some of these we've collaborated, we worked, we both worked on some of us was just one of the two of us, but we're talking, there's something like seven, eight um, projects, books uh, that are, that we've contributed to that are in the works right now to be released over the next couple of years. And in, in the course of all of this, we wanted to do our next big one that we, that was like ours, our next big epic yeah. campaign book. And we weren't going to partner with the same production studio the first time because that was a nightmare situation. So we decided and we talked to some other people and we looked at some other options. And then in the course of the fallout from those people that, you know, getting, getting kind of recognized by the community is not being the most, we, we got, a, we got a much bigger following. They're yeah. much like, Hey, we're here. We want to support you. So we, said, we should just create our own studio. Why do we need, why do we need to go to someone else? Um, you know, why do we need to beg for a seat at someone else's table? We're just going to build our own table. So we've, we, you know, filed the paperwork and incorporated storytellers forge. And this was going to be our first big project. And we've got a ton of amazing collaborators and the black ballad just, we knew had to be the thing because the band was in the, went back into the studio last summer to record some music for it. And we're like, we're the black ballad. It's going to be this ridiculous, um, dark, but like I, I bring the whimsy. Rick brings the dark. Yeah. The, he brings the dark Gothic to it. I, I bring the little bits of, uh, whimsy and silly fun that kind of break up because you can't just have nothing but like gloom and darkness the whole time because then it just loses all meaning you need to have little moments of levity or lightheartedness to kind of break it up that's usually what i bring to the table because i'm a giant child (laughs) (laughs) um so they definitely have to pull me back sometimes like pat that's a little too silly for a book about dead people um i I, but uh i i don't know like one of my favorite movies of all time is evil dead and the trilogy mm-hmm. of Evil Dead. I don't know if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. but they, oh, yeah. you know, Sam Raimi in, introduces like comic into that horror sphere, and I think it, it works amazing. So, uh, pulling back, I, 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 I mean, it, horror and comedy work know. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, they do work amazing. But you know, it's a balance, right? Yeah. You don't want to go too far one way because then it kind of cheapens the other side of the coin. But so that is. A very high level, very summarized, um, very, very just, I didn't want to be rambling for like, because the whole the whole story step by step would take two hours by yeah. itself. But that is a very sort of truncated, summarized version of how we got here with our own studio, launching our own big book, The Black Ballad, which we're really excited about just because it's, 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 I'm really, I know I'm, I'm obviously yeah. biased, but it's. Am I allowed to swear on the show? You can. Uh, we are. We are a mature rated show. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Man. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. It is. The Black Ballad is uh, about death and resurrection, which is this thing, you know, th- this thing in TTRPGs that's there. In our opinion, the ramifications of existing in a world and a universe where resurrection is not only possible, but not too uncommon is vastly downplayed in a lot of RPGs. Oh, things. I, yeah. I 100% and agree with that. So, especially in, 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 in what goes hand in hand is a lot of times in these worlds and these universes, resurrection is a thing, but eternal souls have 
always always have value, especially to the different gods. And like mm-hmm. it, 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 one of the most common reused sort of, and it's okay. We're okay. You know, love love a good trope, love a good cliche, but. You know, a lot of times the common a god's power is derived from how many souls it has under its influence and things like that. But can you have that soul under your influence if it doesn't make it to your afterlife? If it gets pulled back with resurrection, and what if they make different choices in their life that lead them to another god's afterlife? And it's kind of like, so um, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I don't know if you want to dive in if you had any other questions, but I, as far as the black belt itself, but as you can tell, I'm, I'm very a, excited. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a scotch. I'm a little, little bit, little bit passionate and excited about it plus i've got the the pre-launch jitters because we're recording this just a few days mm-hmm. before we go live on backer kit so yeah super excited about seeing the launch um i signed up obviously we signed up i i signed up under my own personal email and then obviously the company email um just because we're probably going to get uh two different copies i got my own personal one because i don't share I, i'm not big into sharing I was the oldest child, and uh, obviously the company will pick up a separate one. But I do have questions. If you don't mind me asking, I would like yeah, yeah. I would like to know because I don't know how much you want to share, right? So you could tell me if, like, hey man, we can't really talk about that because you know whatever. So I have questions about the black this whole world. What blew me yeah. away, right? First off, what? How did you come to this? Okay, so let me before I jump. Sorry, I got I got a million of them. I got them written yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super excited because it's a really cool concept, and I I feel like you guys are the first people to tackle the afterlife in Dungeons and Dragons, and it's it's so weird because you would assume with how like clerics, warlocks in Fifth Edition are so prevalent, mm-hmm. someone would have touched on this before. And I feel like your company was the first, like, nah, man, we are the first. Like, we got this. We're doing this whole afterlife thing. And that kind of leads into my my next segment. So the concept of the game, as I understand it from reading on your, your webpage and, and, and what I've seen, is this picks up after the DM decided to throw Cthulhu and Power Armor at his players or her players because they got too rambunctious. TPK then was like, oh man, I'm so sorry, guys. I don't want to retcon this. But we I got this other story that picks up in the afterlife. That's a general summary of it. That's kind of our uh some one of our taglines is the black ballad. It's what happens when the heroes die. Yes, this is the campaign for all you GMs listening right now. This is the campaign you buy and you have on hand. When you TPK your players, this is a campaign that comes after that. Or if you have been playing with a group for a very long time, and undoubtedly there have been player deaths, player mm-hmm. character deaths along the way. If you have players with characters who they've, you know, unfortunately for the circumstances of the game they were playing, the character died permadeath, but maybe that player, because didn't feel done. I'm sure you feel that. I'm most people that's really, yeah, well, all characters for the most part, at least from my mm-hmm. perspective, have a piece of the player in them. There's something a player is, is, and maybe that's my own neuroses and my own traumas coming up, but like my player, the, the characters I craft when I'm playing, there, there's always an element of myself in there and, and I'm working through something through that character, right? So if something happens and they die sort of prematurely, like you made a really bad mm-hmm. decision, ticked off the wrong NPC or, what ha- or did some really bad roles, I, I totally understand the feeling of, as a player, being like, I'm not, I wasn't really done with that character. I wasn't really done 
you know, embodying that person. Um, so whether it's a TPK or you just have a stable of, of past characters from your group, this is a chance to, to keep it going with the group that TPK'd or revisit some of those dead characters. Cause yes, this is a campaign where the characters, the player characters are dead. It opens up, it opens with them having have just died. I, I think that's a really, really interesting concept for a game. I have a few questions. I'm going to hold yeah. off on them because I feel like you're going to be like, just look at the book when it comes out. Like one of my first questions is like, I, so I'm going to ask it because it, it was, it didn't bother me, but I asked my co coworker and I was like, Steve, man, how would this work? He goes, I don't know. You got to ask him like when he comes on, like you, you ask him, not me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, do you do you think as the players have passed on and these characters have passed on and they're in the afterlife obviously you've had to have created a separate system to make death second death like like a second death system right because i've played in campaigns I, I feel like we've all played in campaigns where the gm just kind of holds everyone's hand and no one dies right like oh you, you hit zero every you know you, you get that pokemon like everyone turns screen fades to white and you wake up in the hospital or something um and that makes a campaign i always felt personally that makes a campaign feel less if i can't if my character can't there's no you know no no risk if i'm always going to yeah yeah if i'm always plot armor protected then i can't i can't feel anything for this is that something you guys struggled with, like a concept of creating a second or is there no second like after? No, yes, that that is absolutely something. And there is this is one I got to be a little careful. No, but but to your point, 100 percent. Yes, this is something there, there's a whole here's what I'll tell you. There's a whole section of the book. So there's. Let's put it this when, when you're when you're doing a book like this, a campaign, it's not just you don't just dive right in with like chapters one and go into the actual narrative part of the campaign. Yeah. Um, we break up the the book, capital B book that will be the Black Ballad, into books. You know, sometimes like when you're reading a novel, there's like book one, book two, it's part of the same book. It's like it's like acts or something. So we have like book four, we have like five we call books within this tome. And one of them is the whole narr narrative. And then there's other ones that are like lore building, right? So book we have, so there's a whole section called death among the dead. And yes, to your point is we have, we did come up with sort of a system of, we want there to be consequences and stakes. If you quote, if you're, if you quote unquote die again in this place, in this plane, um, it's and it had to be different, right? It had to be a little bit different than what what would happen if you died in the mortal realms and with the saving throws and whatnot. And then, so yes, there is um, there's a whole chart and table, and basically, you kind of get like three where it's like if, if if there's consequences every time if you die in this plane, if your soul quote unquote dies, and it can still be brought, you know. Because in this world, in these universes of magic, what what is permanence? But there is there are consequences, and they get worse each time. And that you this way, you do not want to die three times in this campaign. So we got <laughs> the, the baseball rules are are very bad, very very bad. Nice. You do not want. Yeah. Awesome. You do not want. I'm super excited. I'm glad that was that you've like taken that on. Um, obviously, I I think that I feel like that would have been a challenge 
uh, to even, mm-hmm. like, come up with. But I like the concept of, like, hey, man, like, first time you come back, you're, like, a little... You got, like, the shivers or something. And then third time, it's just bad biscuits. Um, Now, talking... And, and, and something we, I was saying we give the chances because it's something where players might be... I could see players feeling really cavalier mm-hmm. with themselves. Like, well, I've already died. What can I can, you can just hear it now, right? Yeah. Smart a million like, percent. I've already died. What can happen? And, and just kind of not worrying about it. And like, what's, but so like we, we knew that we had, we should give a little, a little buffer, but we do want there to be still some consequences. Yeah. Um, now I, I was on the website. Uh, you could obviously in the doobly doos down below, we're going to have the website and all the links to everything. So I was on the website and I checked out the free PDF uh, that you guys had put up and it talks about the different aspects of the game. You have the, I'm I'm not too familiar uh, with a lot of the open stuff that has come out with fifth edition, but it seems that uh, we have Valen the Jade, a gargoyle, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Did you, are you creating extra races for this or are you, is that just like something that showed up a few and not races in the sense that um, we're not creating races the way a, a typical like new source book would mm-hmm. create them where it's here's our new, you know, pick an animal humanoid yeah. version of this animal thing. It's more of a, like a, like, and a state of existence like there's this, there's these groups called the soul stitched or these groups called the unhallowed and kind of any any race can be one of these but they're their own kind of like subspecies of them so it has more to do with the nature of their existence you know yeah um not to get too heady but um and you talked about opening ogl it's very so you know D is the largest by far right yeah. most players most people um and that's you know most of our background but that being said we were already trending toward a semi system agnostic mm-hmm. way of writing before the drama and the drama seems to have been walked back basically the book is going to be um also call it like semi system agnostic i would say the shortest walk is going to be is going to be 5e yeah um as far as the shortest walk for adaptation, but it is, we're, we're working really hard to make it so it's easily playable in other major systems as well. Um, where it's more about, you know, we're, we're taking out things that are super specific and mm-hmm. finding new ways to um, describe like challenges and encounters and effects that can happen to the players in ways that are not so system specific, which has actually been kind of fun. I'm one of those um, writers who a lot of writers like, give me a bank blank page and get out of my way. Cause I have so many ideas. Yeah. I'm an artist and I can come up with a million ideas. That's fine. Some are great. Some are okay. Some are terrible. Um, I'm someone who, cause this is my job, right? Like I'm someone who actually kind of thrives with challenge and hurdles in my writing. And I think that's why I've so quickly taken to writing professionally in the gaming world is it has a lot of like parameters you have to meet a lot of boxes that got to get checked. And so, you know, when you, and especially if you want to do like freelance work and you get hired by another company and this, and the, and the project's not your baby, you're a hired gun for them. And it's, we need you to write something that accomplishes a, B and C while avoids D E F and also accomplishes Ooh. this. 
and it has to adhere to the rule set and it has to be done within this many words. You know what I'm saying? And like, there are some people I feel like that would shut that, like that would kind of be, um, they would feel stifled by that. I, I thrive in that. I like that challenge because it really, really forces me to get real creative. Right. Um, so it's been kind of a fun because definitely I felt like I, we kind of said I kind of settled into a comfort zone with writing things that are like just 5e. Um, but this has been challenging in, in, in a positive way to write something that is um, 5e adjacent. Mm-hmm. But so that's the easiest. But also, if you're playing like Pathfinder, you're not going to have to work too hard to play this campaign to like to to tweak it. Um so yeah, that's that's been something that's been at times frustrating, at times very rewarding. Of course, it's it's challenging, but in the end of a good challenge, it's usually a good reward. And I I see the system agnostic stuff, and I really I I dig that. I think that's like a really great way to like move stuff in our gaming sphere uh, collectively. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm one of these people who are like let's all just hold hands and kumbaya. And let's get along. And then you got the other people who are like, not on my watch, and I'm gonna hold the line. Um <laughs> but you know, that's a different story for a different day. Not talking about that all day today. Uh I really want to dive into a few things. Now, the way your your game, you set it up, characters pass on, you're in the afterworld. How you get there is how you get there, whether it be be by GM fiat of uh TPK. Or, like you said, playing characters that haven't yet resolved or you're trying to get them to resolve. I think that's really cool. One of the cooler aspects that like I gravitated towards as a GM was this new system. You can see it, the downloadable sample you have up on your website. And it talks uh-huh. about the tiers of play and the different difficulty setting, settings that you can have in your system as you play, because obviously you guys, like you said, you were talking about the system agnostic, but also, you know, coming from a place of, of comfort. I like that. I think that's really cool because they get up there in number. So you, you like, were you thinking of like higher level play? Like, Hey man, we got to come in and bring a concept of like, maybe these characters are 12th level. Maybe these characters are 13th level, which, you know, and that's, that's why you have that tier of higher play in there is that is that how did you get to that aspect of this game so that's that's a twofold thing and i give all credit on that to my partner rick hines for making that sort of executive decision that a lot of these things we do we're going to approach them and like stat them and spec them for higher level um adventures and higher level characters and higher level enemies for a couple reasons one is there's so few Mm-hmm. out there the overwhelming majority there are very few independent and there's no like official they're always you know because that's lots of things they needed to be they need to capture new players with every new release right so it's always got to be entry level you know what i mean and so there's very few um campaigns modules source books written um that for later game like for high level characters and so one it's we always love like what can we do that's different than everyone else is doing so that that's one aspect of it two though is we have this philosophy that as a gm not everyone is going to play this and and if you have players that are lower level 
or you want to start this as your campaign with level ones, you can do that. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. We have this and we and we have tips throughout the book, um, but it is so much easier as a GM to pair down an enemy or an encounter than to scale up. Yes. It is because it's one of those things where if you have this like low difficulty creature that you want to use for for narrative or role playing purposes, Mm -hmm. but your players are going to wax them. So you got to figure out how you're going to beef them up. You got to like look at the sheet and like, okay, what do I raise this HP to? What do I raise like their hit? How much damage they do? And that's that's a much harder thing to gauge. It's a lot easier to take uh, an enemy that's statted to fight level like 15 characters. And it's like, okay, well, this thing is has like four attacks attacks and it's going to deal like 80 damage and on average an attack obviously that's going to one hit my players are only like level five let's scale it that's a lot easier to look at that and just take away yeah and you and just take instead of like having to think what you're going to add just take away until it seems fair like reduce them from four actions to turn to two reduce the damage they're doing from 80 on average to 20 or something you know like it's a lot easier to to see what's there with all of these abilities or, or damage numbers and just pull it back to match your player's level than it is to create out of nothing. You know what I mean? Like just add mm-hmm. out of nothing. Yeah. Uh, I get that a hundred percent as like the eternal GM. I'm constantly <laughs> having to come up with like, I like yeah. playing with, with enemies. I think cobalts should be useful at level one as they are at level 10. And it's usually easier yeah. to just like, you know, take a bigger level monster and then just drag him down sometimes. And it's really fun to do yeah. that. Cause you could be like, Oh man, I'm going to bring in like, you know, let's, let's say what, like a higher level monster that would wipe your party. But then you're like, nah, they're not going to do like 80 points of damage. They'll do like 15 or something ridiculous, like way easier. Yeah. And I, I thought save that it was down. Really, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier that way. I, I really appreciate that, that view. Um, and I know a lot of like other GMs out there, you know, we do GM chat where we talk to other GMs and they all say the same thing. They're like, it's way easier to take like a high level monster and make it easier than to take like a super silly monster and make it. And not just in the numbers, but like when you get into different types of abilities, um, where it's a lot easier to look and be like, okay, well, that spell just inherently is too much. They're just not going to do that, but they have all these other abilities. Whereas if you try to scale up, you know, some of the most basic enemies and monsters, a lot of them, all it is is like one like melee attack or something. Well, then you got to like, what? Then you have to like think, and and that's not why you buy modules to think too hard as a GM. Yeah. So we, and again, that's not like, we try to like walk this, this tightrope of, giving you the tools you need to have a fun adventure but not railroading the gm too hard so they're not Mm -hmm. so like the gm has a little bit of creative control here as well to make choices because that's important too because that's not fun if you're gming something and you're just like basically you're a narrator and you're just reading out of a book and you make you don't get to make any choices as the gm so we try to find that balance of but at the same time, if you're paying good money for a, a high quality book, you don't want it to be like, great, thanks for your money. Here's a ton of homework for you. <laughs> you got you to gotta find that balance. Um, so it's all about we're really we're, we are very focused in our writing on the storyteller. We, mm-hmm. That's the word we use, the, the storyteller, the GM, as opposed to the players, because the GM's the one who's going to be reading all this stuff. So it's more about. 
yeah, how can we help you make this a good experience for you? Because if honestly, if you're having a good experience, your players are going to have a good experience. So we talked about kind of like the aspects of gameplay, how you came yeah. here, um, the concept, which is you're playing in the afterlife. Now, I have to ask. Obviously, people want to know what what are the players? Let's let's talk about it from the players perspective. What 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 mm. can they expect in this campaign? What what are some of the things to look out for? What are some of the things that they yeah. want to kind of like, oh, man, am I just going in as a sorcerer or is there other things that like will happen? Are they like cool trinkets or, or stuff like magic items that might like pop up that you could tell I me about? Use the word. I love that you use the word trinkets because that is a little inside joke we have because I like things like that. Like all the, and Rick's like, Rick as a storyteller has no, he's like, he, he's more focused on like themes of storytelling and emotions and then big grandiose plans and machinations. And I love, and he's like, I'll leave. And he's where he's like, to me, he's like, I know you love your trinkets. You get to design all, <laughs> you're designing all the magic items and populating the world with them. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. So that's funny. It, that's like an inside uh, thing we do, but um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll back up because this will give context to like who the players, like what their experience is going to be and talk like talk about, cause we didn't, we, we talked, we've like alluded to it, but I love to give a few like high notes on the setting itself. Cause it's just, it is an original setting mm -hmm. and, and that, cause that informs the players and how, you know, how, like what they're going to be going through. So you, you say after like, it is an afterlife, but it's kind of like an afterlife, like a pre-afterlife. So this this campaign takes place in a plane of existence called the Sunless Crossing. It is not quite a limbo or purgatory, not quite an afterlife. But we say it, it it exists between life and afterlife, and it is connected to many mortal realms, many mortal planes of existence and worlds, and many, many, many afterlives, heavens, hells, and everything in between. Um. And I talked, we talked about at the beginning because resurrection is a thing that exists in so many of these mortal worlds. So, in kind of the lore we establish, is you would have these bloody, brutal, religious, holy war conflicts between gods and their followers because I alluded the scenario I went through, I think, at the very beginning when we were talking was like, let's say someone dies, goes to like a quote unquote permanent afterlife only to have their soul ripped back to the mortal realm by a resurrection. And then maybe they live for another 20 years. Well, what if they make choices in those 20 years and change who they are and then die? And then they end up going to another God's afterlife while that first God probably feels cheated out of a soul. Right. And then just kind of rinse and repeat. So the sunless crossing um, was formed. We create this goddess Nixia who sacrifices herself way a long time ago in the past. And it, and her sacrifice creates the plane of the sunless crossing. It's this huge field of um, like waist high, like tall grass and wheat kind of golden. And there's a like gray ash perpetually slowly raining down from the sky. Um, and basically souls that wind up in the sunless crossing are souls that like fate, capital F, fate has determined have a high probability of being resurrected. Now that could be within days, it could be within years, you know, but basically if you show up on the, in the sunless crossing, it means your soul, like the, 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 the weaves of fate have determined that your soul has a probability, has a decent probability of being resurrected at some point within the next century or something. And as such, you are not ready to move on to a permanent afterlife. 
and or this could be couple it could be married to that or it could be independent maybe you have some serious unresolved issues you need to work out so there's a lot of themes of that um i can you know i don't want to spoil anything but there, there's some non-combat encounters where souls you know they're very heavy on role play where, where character souls are going to kind of be forced to face themselves or face the lies they might have told them you know we all lie to ourselves right like we have who we are we have who we think we are who we want to be and the the lies we tell ourselves about who we who you know and they have to kind of come to terms with that with maybe regrets from their mortal life or again misconceptions or delusions they had about themselves and have to come to terms with that so there's and there's opportunities for some pretty intense role play to happen here as well and they're going to go on this journey but of course because it wouldn't be interesting if everything was business as usual Mm -hmm. it just so happens that while the player characters are having their experience in the sunless crossing things don't go great and some universe shaking cataclysmic event erupts and they have to deal with that so the war the 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 status quo gets upended and the players have to deal with the ramifications of that in this afterlife before the afterlife so that's the sunless crossing i'm i'm excited i i really dig the artwork also i would if any if it's gorgeous yeah our our artists are best artists sorry sorry other people your artists aren't as good as our artists they're amazing I'm just being. I mean, I have my proud dad dad head on. <laughs> oh no! Like uh, one of the, the the big things I loved about seeing this, like everything you just explained about, like this this plane of existence. There's a visual, and I'm a visual person. Like I'm a, I'm a visual dude. I need visuals. It helps me. Because uh, I uh, not a great not a writer, so I lack sometimes on on my description. Right when I'm I'm running my game, so I just hold up a picture. I'm like, it looks like this this and then this is what <laughs> if you if you look and and pe- people out there please go check out their website uh and check out their their ba- um their launch page it'll be again in all the descriptions in below and you could see all the really delicious art because that's the only way to describe it it is it's epic and it totally leans into this vibe that you guys are creating with this like fighting in the afterlife and being part of the afterlife um I I have a question. And, and I maybe if you can't tell me on the air, you gotta tell me after. Cause I'm if if when you go to your website, right, the storytellersforge.com, and you listen to the narration by Carlos Ferro, is that is that the last mm-hmm. name? Yeah. I couldn't for who was to, was he just like a narrator? Because like in my head, he, the, the character seemed very upset at like the deity that gave away the secret to resurrection. And I was like, oh, is this a god? Is this a character we'll meet later on? So this book is not a sequel. I want to mm-hmm. be very clear about that to Red Opera. But there are some themes in common and there are some strings, some mm-hmm. ties. So yeah, this is a character that fans of the red opera will will maybe remember that sometimes is known as as in some circles might be called the betrayer um or or majin or a certain Mm -hmm. shape-shifting tiefling character who they're never seen without their mask um mask in hand who is no one knows what their deal is 
quite really but uh and why they seem to have such a vested interest in the dealings of of gods and mortals in- that, yeah interesting i'm i'm excited uh i sadly did not uh play the 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 red opera i am now definitely going to go back to that uh because i it's i want to see it i want to experience it i know it's two separate things two separate companies right and but it 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 just sounds awesome and then this as like its own independent world i'm i'm super amped do i get to kill a god is that something i could ask you can i maybe maybe oh give me the maybe <laughs> boo it's okay it's okay i'm excited um i'm, I'm so ge- the choices you make it's oh. all about the choices you make no nah, man i'm i'm an old school three you know 3.5 third edition D D player first thing oh you started out of god i could go kill that um <laughs> you know being an old 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 gamer like that super excited for this um so we talked about the world that you're playing in this this beautiful city of if I if I'm saying this properly I, I don't want to ruin it, uh, Nox Valar, yeah, got it, Nox Valar, got it in one. Nice, <laughs> I'm so uh, I I butcher fantasy names, and if you ever listen yeah. to like any of my like if when I'm playing I'm like they're like oh so who's who's this halfling I'm like Bob. So let's talk about that because that's a huge um pet peeve of mine though too is when, when you'll see people write it's like you just wrote this because it looked weird or fanciful mm-hmm. or otherworldly and as a like writer it's like you didn't actually sound this out so i pride myself i come up with a lot if not most of our if not the overall majority of our made-up names mm-hmm. for like places and people and stuff like that and and if I'm going to give myself a pat on the back, I'm not a perfect writer. No one is. And everyone has strengths and weaknesses. I think I do. I, I, one thing I pride myself in is when, if I have to come up with a proper name for something, a person or a place or a thing, I spend way too much time on it, <laughs> thinking about it because I want it to capture the vibe. I want it to sound realistic. Like it actually, cause you'll see things. People will just throw syllables together for the name of a person or a place and you're like did you did you sound this out to yourself like can you did you if this is the name of a character did you like talk to yourself in the mirror and like say the name and like and were you able to do that with a straight face and not crack up or you know yeah so i i really put a lot of effort into if I name a place or a person or something like that, I want it. It's gotta, it's got, and, and it's gotta go beyond like the, the, like your forefront of your brain. It's gotta mm-hmm. hit on the subconscious of like, that sounds like a person that actually exists. That sounds like a place that actually exists and people should be able to pronounce, read it and pronounce it pretty easily. Uh, you, you've knocked it out of the park. Like, Nox Valar, I was like, okay, I, I think I'm saying it properly. Yeah. It's pr- easy. The the every word that I've read um in that free PDF you guys have up, it's super easy. Like Valen, it easy. Like I, I understood what I was yeah. looking at. And I appreciate that. Um just from a person who who struggles with reading, I appreciate it. And I always argue my argue my biggest argument is uh I wish companies would put like pronunciation guides next to their their fantastical names just be, right. like you like you said like did you really say it or did you just add a z there because you thought it would look cool 
And apostrophes, so many apostrophes. Oh, yeah. You got, yeah. Just, we're going to put a Z in an apostrophe and then like end it with a Q. Not a Q U, just a Q. Yeah. Yeah, just because. Um, I love it, but I appreciate that. Like every, like I, like I'm saying, like everything in here is is super thought out. Um, how how long had you been working on this with your co co author? Obviously, not like a month. Like it wasn't like oh, we decided to do this last weekend. Woo. Right. No, not a month, but also we really pride ourselves. Um, I would say again, a thing that Rick and I really gel well on projects that we take on together and head and is uh we're workhorses we this is a job and we turn like we turn in our word counts when we set a deadline we hit it you hear all the time about so many like crowdfunding campaigns that take years and years and years to fulfill we don't go to a campaign we don't go to a campaign unless something is done or will be done very shortly after and go to print so this is something honestly that was in concept conceptualized mode in the summer of 2022 so not long not that you know this isn't like the, you know we're yeah. we go if we decide this is the thing that's going to be the priority the priority project because both in here are working on our third novels each in our novel series mm-hmm. i'm also a screenwriter i've got a, a script i'm working on um we all have stuff right and i got small kids and everything but this is definitely kind of that number one priority so if we decide that like we don't sit back we mm-hmm. get it done um and we just <laughs> we just go yeah and we're like let's do this let's go let's knock this out and people you know you get people that will reach out or want to collaborate and they seem like nice people and you kind of give them a shot and it's like if, if you want to collaborate with us you know reach out you want to be involved in a project do it but if you get a, if you get an assignment do it you better do it and turn it in you're not getting another, you know we're really big on like get it done yeah like and so we don't like to mess around and like when we do this backer kit and we do this crowdfunding and we knock it out of the park because i know we're going to um 100 i promise you listener if, if you take a sh- you know if you if you pre-order you're not going to be sitting around on your hands for a year or two years with these ridiculous crowdfunding campaigns that are unfulfilled for literally over a year after the campaign and the money's been collected they have the mm-hmm. money in hand it's ridiculous it's no um, we want to ship this thing as soon as humanly possible because we have so much more in the tank. We have so much more. We already have our next two, three projects lined up that are coming after this. And we don't also don't feel right like diving in too much in earnest if this thing isn't on pace. So this is something where, you know, we are, I'd say maybe a little faster than average because we I don't know, we just take it that seriously. We're like, we're gonna get this done. People are, you know giving us their heart, they're paying us their hard earned money. They're putting their faith in us. Um, so yeah, this was, this was, you know, chalkboard concept, um, last like July, August, and is now like almost fully written. Yeah. So, and fully, you know, illustrated and all of that. So I do have to say it is amazing. The quality you have just put up, even just from that, like PDF that like you have, I like I've gone to other, you know, uh Kickstarters and 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 backer stuff and like uh the what what's the other one? The uh the IO page. Um yeah. and then and you download those free PDFs and and it's kind of like thoughts that they've put on paper and then put together. It's not coherent unless you're that person. This is super coherent. The artwork, like I said, all matches and is amazing. By the way, the artwork, shout out to your artwork team. Uh 
total reminiscent of like those Led Zeppelin vinyl artwork. Like, yeah, it's it's so boss. It's I like a metal vibe. I mean, yeah, I want to shout out a couple people. Um, uh, James Wasingo is our art director. They're great. They're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They've done some awesome. They've worked on Shadowrun, Borderlands Two before. They just they have a great stable of artists that are just doing amazing work, and we're just blown away. And there's nothing as like a writer who I can draw enough to be a danger to myself and others, but I'm not. I'm like, but but writing something, putting on page, and then seeing a really really skilled craft craftsperson artist take that and like bring it to life and do it exactly kind of how you picture it in your head and, and with maybe put it or what i actually i love even more is when it, it it evokes what i was hoping for but the artist puts a little spin on on their own on it and i'm like oh i love i wish i thought of that. that's so good yes leave that and yes set out and then i don't know if you've had a chance to watch the animated trailer that we have up on youtube jared uh, yes that's david grangio who did the art for the red opera and he animated that whole trailer and it's gorgeous and it's amazing and the whole he did the like with the the book opens mm-hmm. and i think it flips upside down because you're going to the afterlife yep. and it's just like oh david you're a mad genius um can't say enough about them we're just really really fortunate that um in, in the wake of a lot of chaos and turmoil and some struggle we have found this network and group of wonderful, amazing, delightful people who are also really fucking good at what they do. And it's just, I lo- I almost, I just love it. I love collaborating with people. And I'm like, you want to make cool shit? Come on board, hop on, you know, like hop in, hop in the ship. Let's go make some cool shit together. Um, love it. It's just, it's just so cool when you see stuff like start coming together. Mm-hmm. No, it, 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 it's amazing. And especially just hearing like, Hey man, this was like, a chalkboard idea in 2022 and now it's like a fully like you guys are ready prepped um you know hand on that 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 new launch just ah, go for it um i don't know how you're holding yourselves together with three days i'm one of those guys who are like if it's close enough to christmas just tell me what you got me and uh you guys you're holding it together real well um, yeah it's <laughs> uh yeah, uh, that's just, it's all for show. I am a mess on the inside. It's, <laughs> I, I, I personally it's, don't think you have anything to worry about because it's, it looks fantastic. The story is super amazing. Uh, yeah. And it, it invokes so much. As we were talking about, you know, going over the ideas of uh, playing in the, in the afterlife, I have a few characters uh, that I've had pass on in epic ways. Yeah. And, I've had a few players who had characters like one character rolled a, a black dragon into a volcano. And I was like, Oh, Balin's coming back. Like that dude's coming yeah. back. Like we're going to get together. We're going to rock on with like these awesome characters and them and the dragon together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, what's funny. Like, we, we... I, I don't, I don't know if they were like allies or enemies in this scenario, but that'd be really hilarious that they were enemies, but they've had all this time in this like after plane and they become actually good buddies or something. Like it's a buddy like, cop movie. With like, a... yeah, we can try to kill each other. That was so long, you know, but we've had time to think kind yeah. of stuck here. So, uh, and actually, you know what? It's not, Ed, not a bad guy. It's like, yeah, the dragon ate that whole kingdom, but he's not a bad guy. It was, it was circumstance. I swear, he's a cool, dude. Don't worry about it. I'm, by the way, I'm writing. I'm stealing the idea. That's going to be like the, that. It's happening. It's all. It, it's all yours. Um, yeah. No. It's it's something I'm excited to do too. I've got a number of different um like promotional things lined up where I'm gming like 
one shots and guest sessions and I've had people they're emailing me and some are creating new characters for them. And some are like, Oh my gosh, I had this character from this campaign. Am I allowed to use them? I'm like, fuck yes, you are. Let's do that. Like bring them back. Um, so yeah, it's just really excited nervous uh you know the big thing too is is like i want to be very clear to everyone this is not on kickstarter we are on backer kit backer kit has their own you probably if you've backed a kickstarter in the past you're familiar with backer kit because they fulfill all the orders anyway for them but backer kit has their own crowdfunding platform we made the decision to pun very much intended here roll the dice with backer kit um we think that they are going to be an awesome partner for because here's the difference they you have to be approved to do a campaign on backer kids platform and they actually work with you we have dialogues going with their people behind the scenes they actually want you to succeed you know kickstarter does not care because they're so big like and not that they and that's not a criticism they don't have to care right like the backer kit like this is something as i already told you we've got multiple projects planned for the for the next couple years and we wanted someone who, you know, kind of get on the, who is going to be like a partner with us. Right. And who like, we want to succeed together. So we think, um, long-term cause you know, it's a lot easier to get a pledge from somebody who already has like, a, like an account set up. We understand the, the vast majority of the people that end up supporting us, they're going to be doing, it's going to be their first, they're going to have to, you know, we're asking you to not only support us and pre-order, but you know, set up another, email and password on another website because you probably don't have it but, but please do we know we're going to make it worth your while um and and you're supporting a really cool platform that's trying to do crowdfunding for creative types in in our opinion uh a much better way a much more above board way a much more collaborative way and, mm-hmm. and we want to support that oh 100 we we love supporting here at nothing venture not the game we are huge proponents of supporting third-party publishers and third-party groups that are going out there and really trying to push the envelope. Um, not, you know, it, this isn't a dig on any company, right? Um, but when you get so big, you just become stagnant. And the dope stuff comes from the third-party little dudes. Uh, not that you, you, you know, your last... I know I am. It's yeah. fine. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not trying <laughs> to, like, fine. downplay how awesome, like, this stuff no, no, is. No. Like yeah but um really like we really support that and we're really glad uh to see what's going on that's why we we were excited you know you reached we reached uh, an agreement to have you guys come on and have this chat like dope third party stuff always the best stuff i i find third party stuff always has great stories or really interesting ideas versus the major corporations um so you know i'm i'm when i was a young man i was an anarchist Totally, totally was like down with the establishment, rip it apart. But now, you know, um, se- uh, separately, I want to say thank you very much to you. I got an exclusive for you, though. So, yeah, if this is coming out on Monday the 6th and you're watching this or listening to it on Monday the 6th, the 7th or the 8th on the 8th. So it's the second day of the campaign. If you go to the amateurish it's like amateur with ish on the end amateurish productions twitch channel i am guest gming with an awesome cast we're debuting the first chapter of the black ballad wednesday the 8th in the evening oh well uh, is there a specific time uh we're shooting you know how stuff goes yeah. but we're shooting to go live around 8 p.m eastern 
Oh, awesome. Perfect. We we are a Eastern group. Uh, so yeah. that's amazing. So I will make sure uh, I'll I'll touch base with um the 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 other gentleman who was we were emailing back and yeah. forth uh to get all your social stuff so that we can put it up on our Instagram and uh Twitter so that we can like blast you guys out there. We like to, like I said, we help out. We like to help out all the third party people. I mean, I'll just start, I, I am I'm easy to find because you mm-hmm. know hashtag branding. Um, yeah. I am at the Pat Edwards. Okay. Everywhere on every platform, you know, Twitter, Instagram, my mm-hmm. website at thepatedwards.com. I have Hive and Mastodon. And, and <laughs> nice. I'll probably, maybe I'll probably. I'm such a like. Uh, I'll probably. Uh, uh, get blue sky that's jack dorsey's new oh is that he, is that the new thing he put up i like i I, I don't know i'm such a chronically online person oh, um i am I was, tiktok all of that I, but but if you if you're looking for me and whatever platform if i have mm-hmm. a presence it's under the oh, pat edwards Pat Edwards. wonderful we will make yeah. sure to put that up get that out make sure everyone knows about it uh what's coming up and uh i i i i have a like kind of like a, a question um, it's more on away from this topic and more of like your, and then we'll just do a quick wrap up. Uh, so your, okay. your books were sci-fi based, like a, a like kind of like a, a, a comedy sci-fi and now you're coming in. Oh, my novels? Yeah. 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 Novels. And, and then yeah. you're jumping over into fantasy. Was that kind of like a, a weird switch or is it, was it? Well, I mean, not too much. I think, you know, most people you get you get outliers who who really like sci-fi and or fantasy and don't care for the other i think the majority of people i've always loved both yeah. you know sci-fi and fantasy they've always had i mean my you know lord of the rings movies i rewatch those like every year i'm obsessed with lord of the rings i um i actually joke that like i joke i might actually do it i'm gonna have like an unofficial quote-unquote stretch goal where if we max out all our stretch goals i'm gonna finally get my first tattoo and i'll live stream it and it's gonna have some lord of the rings elements it's gonna be a blend of a couple different properties but i'm marrying it's a marrying of fantasy and sci-fi together um so no like this wasn't i mean i've you know i I was already playing D &D and uh you know playing those and in real Mm -hmm. play so i've always loved i've always loved both like pretty equally sci-fi and fantasy so um writing fantasy wasn't more more of the the was writing for gaming as opposed to writing a script or writing a novel is definitely they're all very different animals writing a novel writing a gaming publication and writing like a script or screenplay those are all very i always say like i have to like be focused and i can't like pop between them i have to be like this day is dedicated to this Mm -hmm. i always joke it's like it's like changing around the printing press in my brain because like it's all they're all very different like thought processes yeah. like when you're writing and stuff so um no i, I don't think uh, yeah as someone who has always been just a big fan of both genres i don't uh no that was it was easy to pick up that part the fantasy side but i i can totally see why that would be for some people maybe not they're just their brain is always wired for one or the other mm-hmm. no i just i thought it was very interesting to see that like that yeah. that like lunch not lunge but like you know, I guess maybe it's the people I hang out with. I have those people who are like, hey, I'm really into Star Trek or Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I won't touch, like, the Lord of the Rings stuff. And I'm like, have you seen Star Wars? It's it's Lord of the Rings, but with laser I guns. Mean, that's the whole other Yeah, the whole thing is, like, is Star Wars sci-fi or is Star Wars space fantasy? Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an 
pretty eclectic in my nerddom as far as the things I like. I'm pretty all over the board and I like a little bit, I, you know, you name a niche or genre, like, or, you know, I probably like some property in that. Um, so yeah, I've, 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 I've I'm pretty, I'm an easy fan to yeah. please just make, just make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. And uh, yeah, I was, I was just wondering about that. I was like, cause you know, mm-hmm. it's always, I obviously did my research looking into like, who am I going to talk to? And I just show up and be like, sup, how you doing today? Um, <laughs> no, you definitely have been. I appreciate that. Yeah. You definitely, it's obvious you've uh, done a little homework at a time, which is always nice. Uh, I, thank you very much. I want to say thank you very much to Patrick Edward for coming on and hanging out with us here today. It was a blast getting to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. No problem. And where can everyone find you if they if they want to hunt you down and see your other works that you've worked on besides obviously Black Ballad and Yeah, I am at the Pat Edwards everywhere. Everywhere. Just every every social media. My website is the Pat Edwards. Don't forget the S on the end there. Um dot com. But so so if you're if you're interested in me and things I got going on, whatever platform you're on search if i'm there if i have a presence it's the pat edwards but more importantly than that right now in the moment is you should go to storytellersforge.com click the link to go to the backer kit landing page um if you're listening to this on the 6th we go live tomorrow the 7th with black belt you should sign up to get an email notification when we do if you're listening to this march 7th or later or watching this you should go to the, 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 there'll be a link on the website. I promise you that'll be there. It'll probably be a link in the show notes. You should go support the Black Ballad. We would love you very much for that. It would be an epic, it's an epic one of a kind campaign for your home, your home games. Yes. Uh, I, from what I've seen, um, we are not sponsored. So I'm going to say an early, this would be a definite good buy for your, your hard earned money. Um, and the way it seems, they are excited to get this into your hands. So you won't be waiting a year, two years, three years down the line. This sounds like it will probably be pro- within the year. Um, so I'm super excited. I'm excited to see everything coming up. I want to see all those stretch goals fulfilled. Um, and from all of us here at Nothing Venture, Nothing Games, we want. I want to say thank you very much, Ken, coming on, hanging out with us. And I want to say thank you very much to everyone listening. And as always, we are Nothing Ventured, Nothing Game. We love rolling dice, giving advice with a little bit of that New York spice. Have a good one.